0: Welcome to the Live Community Church Podcast. We are so excited and thankful you've decided to join us. We have a very special message for you today that we pray blesses you. I remember what God did for Tim one year at camp. He lost a toenail. I remember that. Remember that? <laughs> It never grew back the same. How you doing? You made it. Good to see you. I'm glad you're here today. We have some new members we want to recognize. Chris and Jennifer James. They're right there. Maya Shaw. She got like the middle, I mean the exact middle seat. I think Daniel's here. Daniel, Daniel. She's, ah, uh, he must be. Daniel Diball. Anyway, so Daniel Debo, he is here, uh, so we welcome him. We're uh, in this series, Experiencing God, and today I'm going to talk about the sin against the Holy Spirit. Have you ever heard the term blaspheming the Holy Spirit? So I'm stupid enough to think that I can tackle this. <laughs> you know, hey, you know. So we were in life group, and we were kind of talking about my sermon last week, and we were talking, and, and so we were... The question was, when you talk about the Trinity, so how can you blaspheme the Holy Spirit and not blaspheme Jesus? Because Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God are one, so how can you blaspheme one, not the other? So, we're going to try to talk about that. I thought, well, that's probably a question a lot of people have. So, let's talk about this kind of unusual text in the Bible. One day, uh, 25, 30 years ago, I can't remember now, it's been quite a while. Well, it's longer than that because we didn't have kids yet, so... We were at Lake Belton down by the city of Belton uh, with my family. My mom and dad, my brother and sister, their, their families, the whole clan, Tina and I. And we were swimming in an area that was pretty close. Uh, it's, an, it's a Corps of Engineers Lake, so there's no houses around it. It's all, it's all you know parks and stuff. So we were at this park. And there was a swimming area, and it was pretty close to the docking area where you could dock boats. And we saw this older couple coming in. Uh, they were coming in to dock a boat. So they dropped the... They dropped the, he dropped, the man dropped his wife off uh, at the boat dock, and she went and got in a pretty new Suburban with a trailer and then was trying to back the trailer down into the to the lake, you know, so they could pick up the boat and she was struggling. As a lot of people do struggle when they're backing up a trailer. You know. So my brother in law is Jim, a super nice guy, one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet. He's very helpful. He wants to help everybody. He went over to ask her if she he could help. And she cussed him out and said, Lake Rivraff, don't you know who we are? My husband is one of the biggest contractors in Belton. Well, through that interaction, it was obvious that both she and the suburban backing the boat and the, the man in the boat were both drunk. Uh, and they didn't want any help. She kept backing The trailer deeper and deeper into the water. He kept saying, "Come on back, come on back." Uh, First, her back tires were in the water, and a little while, uh, her front tires were in the water. All the all the while, declaring they didn't need help. They don't need help from us, Lake Riffraff. In Matthew chapter twelve, verse thirty, Jesus said. He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him, but whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or in the age to come. So we've been talking about, you know, experiencing God. How, so what, this, what does this mean to blaspheme the Holy Spirit? Uh, how do you commit, as often referred to as an unpardonable sin? Had they, can you? So this passage, we're going to look at three things. The problem of forgiveness, the power of repentance, and the danger of goodness. First of all, we're going to talk about the power of forgiveness uh, I don't think we understand how difficult it is to be forgiven. He says, Therefore I say to you, any sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven people, but blasphemy against the Spirit shall not be forgiven. Whoever speaks a word against other man, it shall be forgiven him. So Jesus is this offering this forgiveness. You can speak against me, I'm going to forgive you now this term son of man that jesus uses is a royalty term uh it's if it, we first see it in daniel chapter 7 where it's talking about daniel says i kept looking in the night visions behold with the clouds of heaven one like a son of man was coming and he came up to the ancient of days and was presented before him we see, so we have this picture of jesus in heaven then we see the same picture in the book of revelation john takes this out of out of I thought he was coming up here. I didn't know, you know. He had a birthday this week. I didn't know if he'd be able to make it this far. Uh, uh, (laughs) Glad you could make it, Tim. So now I've lost my place. I have to start over again. It's all your fault. Uh, So Daniel is referred to as this, uh, is referring to Jesus as the, The son of man this is a royalty term now you couldn't go into an a an ancient king unless he summoned you we read in the book of esther where esther you know mordecai is saying to her hey you need to go and talk to the king because the jews are in trouble you need to go talk to the king because we need someone to to stand on our behalf and she says i can't because it's it's law if anyone goes into the king without being summoned it is an immediate death penalty you're killed on the spot you you cannot do it unless he raises his scepter to you 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 couldn't dishonor a king in any way if you spoke against a king you didn't get a trial you didn't get a jury you got killed just for speaking against a king Jesus said you can speak against me and I'll still give you forgiveness and the proof the proof is in the cross Matthew chapter 27. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus in the Praetorium and and gathered the whole Roman cohort around. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and put a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, "Hell, King of the Jews!" And they spat on him. And they took the reed and began to beat him on the head. They're beating him on the head that they put a crown of thorns on. And after they had mocked him, they took the scarlet robe off him and put it on his own garments and led him away to crucify him. And how did Jesus respond to that? Well, he said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven him. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven him, either in this age or the age to come. You can put yourself outside of the ability for God to forgive you. Now, you think, well, wait a minute, can't God do anything? Well, there's a couple of things God can't do. God can't lie, and God keeps his promises. So because God keeps his promises and God can't lie, even though he's omniscient and omnipotent, he's not limited in any way, uh, there there are things that he cannot do. I think we struggle with this, so, yes, God can offer forgiveness to anyone, and he does offer forgiveness. But I think sometimes with forgiveness, we don't understand what it costs. We, we think about salvation, but we don't understand what was involved in bringing us salvation because it's available to us so freely and so easily. It can seem cheap. We can take advantage of it. But we don't realize that it was purchased at the greatest, not just at, at cost, but at the greatest possible cost. There is there, there's nothing greater that could have been paid for our salvation than the blood of Christ. Then God gives his only son. I mean, there's no price greater that could have been paid. That is what it costs for our salvation. We were not redeemed with perishable things, First Peter says, like silver or gold from your feudal way of life inherited from your forefathers but with precious blood as of a, a lamb unblemished and spotless spotless the blood of Christ I love uh, Dr Mar- Martin Lloyd jo- Jones was a Welsh preacher from Wales Welsh and he said this think about this it was not difficult for God to create the light and the sun All he said was let there be light and there was light here's the problem man in sin I say with reverence here was the greatest problem God had faced or ever will face there is nothing beyond this so the greatest wisdom is needed to solve this problem anyone who thinks that the salvation of man was a matter for God is simply was a simple matter for god is simply proclaiming that he does does not know either the old testament or the new testament think of what what was involved think about what was involved in this eternal plan i mean jesus it's so clear here that god says let there be light and the universe comes in the, in the picture but in genesis 3 he says The seed of man is going to crush satan's head and it takes thousands of years in the plan of God to bring it about this eternal plan and I love what it says in the message in Ephesians it says what delight God took in planning this it's it's almost like he you know said watch this guys forgiveness is a huge problem none of us had a little sin problem There's no way outside of the perfect sacrifice of Christ that that God can offer us forgiveness and salvation. It took the highest price to bring us because it's a great problem. Forgiveness is not an easy thing, but God solved it through the blood of Christ. And then there's tremendous power in repentance. Matthew 12, 32. Whoever speaks a word against the Son of Man, it shall be forgiven. But whoever speaks against the Holy Spirit, it shall not be forgiven, either in this age or the age to come. He said there's no sin that cannot be forgiven think of David I mean David's our hero of the faith in the Old Testament but yet he sinned greatly he sinned horribly he he took Bathsheba he you know we would consider what he did to Bathsheba today rape he took Bathsheba and then to cover up her pregnancy he had Uriah the Hittite murdered but when he asked for forgiveness in Psalm 51 God forgave him he said be gracious to me O God according to your for loving kindness according to the greatness of your compassion blot out my transgressions wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin for I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me think of even his disciples Peter denied him Peter denied him on the night that he was betrayed Peter denies the Lord, but Peter wasn't alone in that. They all denied him. They all ran. Peter was just the most vocal in saying, I'll never deny you. And Jesus was like, yeah, yes, you will. Think of Paul. He was, he was before he was a, an apostle for Christ, he violently persecuted the church. He blasphemed Christ. He blasphemed the church that he had birthed. He was a persecutor of the church, and he he was a violent aggressor. He was having people stripped from their property, stripped from their families, thrown into prison, and in some cases killed for their faith in Christ. And he was forgiven. You see, here's the great thing. Jesus says any sin, any sin against the Son of Man can be forgiven. Any sin, every sin, no matter what you've done. There's nothing that puts you outside of the possibility of receiving God's mercy and grace. There's no sin so big that God cannot forgive it. There's no sin so great that the blood of Christ was not sufficient to atone for that sin. Every sin is forgivable. There's no sin too great. Now, the Holy Spirit's job, Jesus tells us, is to show us the heights of Christ's love and to show us also at the same time the depths of our sin and the need of a savior in john chapter 16 where jesus is talking about the ministry of the holy spirit he says i tell you the truth it's to your advantage that i go away that would have been hard for them to understand it's better for us that jesus leave and give us back the holy spirit he said it's better for you that I go away for if I go away the helper if I don't go away, the helper won't come to you but if I go I will send him to you and when he comes he will convict the world concerning sin who is the world well the world is everybody outside of God John tells us don't love the world or the things of the world so the world is everyone that's outside relationship with Jesus Christ so we're in the kingdom of God we're not of the world we're in the world but we're not of it so He's saying to them he's going to convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment concerning sin because they don't believe in me. The role of the Holy Spirit is to show us our need for a Savior and to convince us that Jesus is the Savior that we need who loves us. And died to save us that's the work of the Holy Spirit all of us who are Christians here today we came to Christ because the Holy Spirit draw drew us drawed us drew us to know him the Holy Spirit worked through the Word of God we heard the Word and the word produced faith and through that he convicted us and said you need to come to Jesus and we said you're right, I do. You see, there is no sin that is unforgivable, no matter how great the sin. But if you resist the Holy Spirit, if you say no to the Holy Spirit to lead you to truth and repentance, no sin, no matter how small, is forgivable. In Christ, the greatest sin is forgivable. But if you say no, Every sin cannot be. There's nothing. Stealing a paper clip from work makes you guilty of eternal punishment because everything can be forgiven except when we won't accept it. Those that say, I, I don't need forgiveness. I don't know if you know this, but most people believe the way you get to heaven is by being good. Most people believe that if you live a good life god owes you heaven so that's the response you need jesus well i'm a good person i haven't and here's what they'll say i haven't murdered anybody that's the standard i haven't killed anybody so i'm a good person no it's 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 wrong it's off it's so i'm a good person I, i i do good god owes me heaven heaven i don't i don't need jesus It's too much. It's too far to say, "I'm a sinner that needs a savior." It's, it's, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm, I'm, I'm not perfect, but I'm okay. That, is blaspheming the Holy Spirit. That is saying no. To God, there's a remedy for everything if you repent. repent. There's a remedy for nothing if you don't. Everything can be forgiven with repentance. Nothing can be forgiven without it See, and that's where we end up with the danger of goodness the danger of goodness This is a context that Jesus is talking to. He's talking to good mo- Moral religious people the Pharisees the Pharisees were as we you know read the Bible They're the bad guys, but the Pharisees were better Christians than most Christians Because they were really trying to keep the law they were really trying to do the stuff They were they were going to Sabbath all the time. They were paying their tithes religiously as a matter of fact they were doing everything religiously in matthew 12 this is the context then a demon possessed man who was blind and mute was brought to jesus and he healed him so that the mute man spoke and saw all the crowds were amazed and they were saying this man cannot be the son of david can he they're saying 'Is, is, is, is he the messiah and when the Pharisees heard this, they said, This man cast out demons only by Beelzebul, the ruler of the demons. It, it, he, he's not the son of God. N.T. Wright says that the Pharisees missed what Jesus was doing in reordering the kingdom. The Pharisees believed they were going to live such good lives that it was going to compel God to send the Messiah that he would come and get the Romans off their backs. They said, God has abandoned us because we haven't kept the law, so we'll keep the law and God will deliver us. Obey the law and God will reward us and punish the pagans and the filthy sin- sinners. Of course, he was going to recognize them and honor them for what they've done. But instead, Jesus invited the tax collectors and prostitutes to God's party and it made him mad Jesus tells the Pharisees you're the problem and not the solution and they killed him for it see Jesus redefines the kingdom of God he himself came in weakness and in love and in service he says hey guys the problems not Rome the problems you the problems me speaking to everyone the problem is not Rome. The problem is sin in all of our hearts. Do you recognize that? Do you realize the problem is not America? That the problem's us. The problem is not the Democratic Party or the Republican Party. It's the party of the people. It's us. It's sin in our hearts. That's the problem that we're trying to deal with. Uh, it's not the good people who are in and the bad people who are out, because that way you get to decide. I'm good. You're bad. I'm good. You're bad. But in the kingdom of God, it's the humble people who are in and the proud people who are out. See, the tax collectors and the prostitutes knew they were in trouble. They knew they needed a Savior. They knew they needed help. But the Pharisees thought they were good. And they were good, but they weren't good enough to get saved. So often in Scripture, we see these, this picture. We, we see Jesus... He kind of puts two together a broken person and a person that's good so he puts simon the pharisee so jesus is at simon the pharisee's house and while he's dining with simon the pharisee a woman of questionable reputation comes in and begins to weep on jesus feet literally washing his feet with her tears and drying them with her hair. And Simon is arrogantly thinking, This guy's no prophet. This guy's a prophet. He'd know what kind of woman this was. And Jesus says, Simon, I got something to say to you. I got something to say to you. He said, Who's going to love more, the one who's been forgiven more or the one who's been forgiven less? And he says, Oh, well, I guess the one who's been been forgiven more. He says, absolutely, because here's a woman who understands that she needs forgiveness. Nicodemus, in John chapter 3 and verse 4, Nicodemus comes at night to ask questions about what it means to be saved. We see that Nicodemus eventually became, it looks like he became a follower because he was participating in the burial of Christ. But originally he's a pharisee that's coming they don't want anybody to know that he's coming so he comes at night he doesn't want anybody to know and then there's the samaritan woman who's had five husbands and when she hears about jesus she goes and tells everybody about it then there's the luke chapter 15 we've got the prodigal son it's, a man has two sons one leaves and asks for his inheritance and he goes and wastes it and spends it all and one day he wakes up in the pig pen, and he decides to come back home. And he, on his way home, he says, you know, I'll just say to my father, I'm no longer worthy to be a, be a son. Just make me a servant. And he gets home, and his father runs to meet him in the road. And he puts the family robe on him, puts the, the royal robe on him. He clothes him. And he takes the signet ring that's a credit card and puts it on his hand. And he, he says, hey, guys, it's time to have a party. Let's celebrate my son who has lost his come home. And the older brother refuses to go into the party because he doesn't like it that the younger brother has been forgiven. We have in Luke 18 and 19, the rich young ruler and Zacchaeus, the tax collector who Jesus calls out of a tree (laughs) and goes to his house. Zacchaeus says, I'm going to pay back all the money that I've taken from people, four times as much as I've taken. Jesus says, today, salvation has come to this house. You see, it's easy to miss the gospel if you think you're good. Religion is, I give God a good life and he rewards me. I I give God a good life and he owes me. Christianity is that Jesus came and lived the life I couldn't live and died my death so that I could live for him. I'm saved by sheer, absolute, total grace. It is a gift of God. It is not a work. It's not something I earn or do. It's something that God did for me, and I receive it. See, religion creates people who look down on others for not being as good as they are. Christianity creates humble people who don't look down on anybody if you're tempted to look down on people you might need to think about your salvation because you might be basing it on your good works christianity creates people that are humble and don't look down on other people if you think you've lived a good life for god a sacrificial life for god and now he owes you something he owes you a good life he owes you a blessed life he owes you an easy life you've got a good dose of religion but you've missed the gospel of grace see the story of the rich young ruler he comes to jesus in uh mark chapter 10. as he was setting on the journey a man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him good teacher what shall i do to inherit eternal life and jesus said why do you call me good Jesus is saying, hey, there's nobody good. Why do you even call me good? You don't know if I'm good or not. You've only seen me in public. You don't know what I do in private. You don't know if I'm good. I mean, how many of us are really good? I mean, you can have stretches of good. You can have moments of good. Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. He said, you know the commandments. Do not murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't bear false witness. Do not defraud honor your father and mother it's interesting that jesus left out number one no other gods before me you shall have no other gods before me and he said to him teacher i have kept all these things from my youth up so you know what he's saying he's saying jesus you're good i'm good we're good it's all good right you're good i've been good i'm keeping the stuff i'm all good I've kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, Bless your heart. (laughs) Bless your heart. One thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you'll have treasure in heaven. And come and follow me. But at these words, he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. He heard the invitation and he blasphemed the Holy Spirit and said, No. Jesus said, Come and follow me. And he said, No doing. I got too much property. I mean, think about it. Think about it. I got too much stuff. I can't. I'm going to rest in my goodness. And his goodness wasn't enough. He said no he said no to the invitation of God and when we say no to the invitation of God no matter how small our sin is it can't be forgiven the problem is we don't have a small sin problem we have a great sin problem and we need a great savior so what happened to the boat ramp well uh, she backed completely into the water until water poured into the windows and filled the inside of the Suburban. Uh, her husband was yelling from the boat, Let her drown! That's my drunk invita- invitation. Let her drown! She backed my new Suburban in the lake. The, the lady suddenly <laughs> got really humble because she didn't know how to swim. So my sister, Elta... Went and got her out of the window of the Suburban and carried her to dry land uh, my brother-in-law went and got his Oldsmobile 98 and his, his, boat, his land yacht and uh, hooked it onto the Suburban and pulled the, the trailer out when they got on dry land They got all judgy and mean again and didn't need any help there's a remedy for everything if we repent there's a remedy for nothing if we don't everything can be forgiven with repentance nothing can be forgiven without it now i'm talking about before you become a christian did you know after you become a christian it's all covered in the blood of Christ. See, I, I kind of grew up in a, a denomination that they, they kind of, they believed that you could lose your salvation so you had a precarious salvation, which is, you know, you had to be careful. And it was, it was amazing when I learned that salvation is not based upon me but based upon what Jesus did. So I realized that Christ came yes, I want, to live, I want to live a life that honors him. But if, if Jesus were to come back right now, if I dropped dead on the stage and I have had un, sin that is not forgiven, it's still forgiven because <laughs> it's already been paid for. Every sin that I ever sinned and every sin that I ever will sin has been covered in the blood of Jesus. So why would you not say yes to that? Why would you not say yes to that yes it's not about my goodness it's not about being good it's not about that my that I've been good and God owes me something God doesn't owe me anything he, but he's loaded my life with blessing upon let blessing and grace upon grace he has lavished his love upon me it's amazing but he didn't owe it to me everything can be forgiven if we repent nothing can be forgiven if we resist only have committed the unpardonable sin if you haven't asked jesus to pardon your sins and there's two reasons why you may not have done that you may have thought you were good enough that you didn't need to do it number two you may have thought you were too bad you've gone too far surely god can forgive other people but he can't forgive me and i want to tell you there's no sin how great you're surrounded in here by some great sinners did you know that some world class sinners in here but we have an even greater Savior we have an even greater Savior if you will receive it will you receive the pardon of Jesus that's the, it's off. that's what the Holy Spirit does the Holy Spirit says God loves you here it is rich young ruler said, nah, I'd rather have the beachfront property. Amen. Let's stand. Lord, there's people here today that may feel like they've gone too far. They don't feel like you can forgive them, but yet the price that Jesus paid on the cross was complete. It was enough. It was enough for the sins of the whole world. Every, Every heinous, horrible act that's ever been done was covered in the blood of Jesus, we can be forgiven no matter what we've done. The Lord Jesus, we want to receive the offer of salvation. If there's someone here today that they haven't received the offer of salvation, that they have, they have not said yes, Jesus had said to them, come and follow me. Come and follow me. Say yes. It's just the beginning. It's not the end. It's the beginning. Receiving Christ as your Lord and Savior. I'm I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Receive Him today. I just challenge you, encourage you to receive Him today, Father, in Jesus' name. Thank you. Thank you for solving our sin problem because it was a great problem. You sent Jesus and set us free from the law of sin and death. Thank you, Jesus. What we could not do, you did for us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. I love you. We'll be here at the front. This has been the Life Community Church Podcast. Thank you for listening.